we are continuing our message series that's entitled Surrender. And I said this last week, but I want to say it again, uh, that, that as we look at this title, Surrender, it could feel a little bit tone deaf in the midst of what's happening around our world um, in, in, the, in Ukraine um, as this, this awful attack uh, from Russia is happening. And we want to be clear, we're not, talking, we're not talking about Ukraine surrendering to Russia or someone, about surrendering to someone who is attacking you. We're talking about surrender from a biblical standpoint. And you see, in our lives, there's always a war that's going on inside of us. There's a tension between the way that we were created. You know, God created us, the Bible says, in God's own image. So we were created to look like God. God also gave us free will because you've got to choose if you want to be a follower of God or not. God doesn't force his way into your life. And so God gave us a choice and you know the story of creation, you know that Adam and Eve chose sin. And so by that choice, sin entered the world, and we can complain about Adam and Eve, but we perpetuate it in our own lives as we choose sin sometimes ourselves. And so when we have decisions to make, when we're tempted, it's like there's this battle going on inside of us between good and evil, between God and Satan. And we've got a choice. Are we going to choose to live the way that God wants us to live, or are we going to choose to live the way that Satan wants us to live? James knew all about this. He wrote about this in chapter 4 when he, ta- he talked about Satan, and he said that the thief comes to steal, kill. Whoops, I'm in the wrong verse. I'll say that one. It's not James. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. This is John 10.10. But Jesus said that I have come so that you might have life and have life to the fullest. So Jesus wants you to have that kind of life, to a life that is not, not surrendered to Satan, but is instead to surrendered to him. And that's what takes us to James, thank you for getting me on the right track here, which says that we submit ourselves then to God, we resist the devil, and he will flee from us. We come near to God, and he will come near to us. I believe that's so true. So in this series, we're going to talk about how we can resist Satan and how we can draw near to God. Today we're talking about a new commandment that Jesus gives us. This whole series, it's based on, uh, or at least launches out of John chapter 13 to 16, uh, which is the time where Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples before he's going to give his life. So these are some of Jesus' final words uh, to his disciples. They're powerful, powerful words. Now, last week, you might remember uh, that we were not just looking at Jesus' words as much as we were looking at Jesus' actions. Remember the disciples, they get to this upper room. It's a formal kind of event, a dinner where they're celebrating the Passover feast. And Jesus, he, or, or sorry, the disciples, they come in and somebody should have washed feet. That was normal. That's what you do when you got to a nice fancy dinner because it's not like today the uh, feet were closer to the food, the feet are smelly, they're dirty from being out there. So that was the first thing you do. And the lowest ranking person in the room was supposed to do this. Well, nobody did this because all the disciples believed they outranked each other. In fact, they began to fight about who's the number one disciple. And in the midst of all this nonsense, what does Jesus do? Well, he doesn't get mad. He doesn't say anything. 
Instead, he decides to show them. He goes over, and he grabs the towel and the basin, and he comes, and he kneels down, and the Lord of all the universe takes on the role of a servant, the most humble role in the entire room that day. It made everybody uncomfortable, but it's who Jesus is. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, Jesus says. So today we're going to kind of pick up from that moment where Jesus modeled this love for us, and we're going to go to a place where Jesus is talking a little bit more. And he, he, he kind of comes out of that. I mean, that was, again, kind of an awkward moment for the disciples. They weren't really prepared for Jesus to wash their feet. They probably felt embarrassed and ashamed that they hadn't done it. But Jesus does it, and he follows up that awkward moment with another awkward moment as he gives a little public service announcement. He says, hey, by the way, one of you 12 is going to betray me tonight. Now, that makes for an awkward conversation, right? And the disciples, they don't get it. They don't know. Well, one of them knows. His name is Judas. He knows exactly what Jesus is talking about. But the other ones, they don't understand. Jesus has been talking about how he's going to come to Jerusalem, he's going to die, and they don't understand. And fair enough, it's, it's kind of like when you watch a movie for the first time, it's different than watching it for like the 15th time, right? The first time, you don't know what's going to happen. And the disciples, they don't know what's going to happen here in this story, and they don't really understand what Jesus is saying, but, but soon enough, they're going to understand it, okay? So that's kind of where we pick it up today. Jesus continues here in John chapter 13, where he says, where the Bible says, as soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said, the time has come for the Son of Man, that's the name Jesus used for himself, to enter into his glory, and God will be glorified because of him. Since God receives glory because of the Son, he he will give glory to the Son, and he will do so at once. Dear children, I can only be with you a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you cannot come where I am going. So I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Let me read that end again. It's where we're going to stay today. I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for each other will prove to the world that you are my disciples. A new commandment. And we might say, well, what's new about that? Well, again, we've heard it before, right? And part of it was a recycling of a previous commandment, as we'll see in a few minutes. But it's Jesus taking that commandment and he's stepping it up. He's stepping it up. And to understand what's new about this, we really need to understand Jesus' role in Scripture, Uh, especially as it relates to the Old Testament, the, the first section of the Bible. How does Jesus fit into all of this? Well, there are several times in the Bible where God makes a covenant with his people, an agreement. And the covenant always was accompanied by one or more commandments, that basically this is what God does, this is what you do. We enter into these kind of things all the time in our lives. 
For example, if you have small children or you remember having small children, you might have once said to them, if you give mom just five precious minutes alone in the bathroom, you can have some candy. Just five minutes, please, right? We make these kind of covenants or bargains sometimes, and we enter bigger ones as well. Maybe you signed a contract when you bought a car or you bought a house, or maybe when you got married, that's the biggest earthly covenant that we can make to another, or biggest uh, covenant to another human we can make. So God enters a covenantal relationship with us in various times. There was covenant with Adam, there's covenant with Noah, covenant with Abraham, then covenant with, with Moses which was really the kind of predominant covenant there in Jesus' day. This is what this covenant had included, the law, the sacrificial system, all of which was being lived out there uh, in Jesus' day in certain forms at the temple. And so Jesus is refer- So when Jesus talks about a new commandment and a new covenant, it's referencing back to Moses' law. This new commandment will include a new covenant uh, because we talk about that every Sunday that we celebrate the Lord's Supper. When Jesus, we, we talk about how Jesus lifted the cup and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. So this is not just a small thing. This is a massive change. This is not just like a little hint or suggestion or tip. This is like a a new era we're talking about, this new covenant that is being lived out. Say, okay, well, so we're talking about a new commandment, a new covenant. What's the old commandment? Well, that takes us back to Leviticus 19. It says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's the original command. And it's a good command. It's a very relevant command. You were probably taught it growing up in one way or another to treat others the way that you want to be treated. It's a good command. It's got a couple things that are inherent in it. The first is that we will love ourselves. That's important. It's, it, we need to be humble, of course, but we also need to remember that, that, that you are God's creation. You are God's workmanship, and you should love yourself. In fact, when we treat ourselves in unloving ways, we're really mistreating God's creation. Whether we, when it's if we're not taking care of our bodies, or if it's we're putting ourselves down all the time, or we're living just racked by guilt and shame, all these kind of things, this is not how God wants us to live. You are, you are God's creation, and he loves you so much. So we love ourselves, but we also love others in that same way. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, in, in Moses' day, and sometimes in ours, escalation of arguments and problems got out of control sometimes. You, you know how this works, right? Maybe in your household, you're having a little, little spat over whose turn it is to do the dishes, right? And say, well, it's, I think I did them last time. It's your turn. No, 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 no. I, I did them last time. It's clearly your turn. You know, you, you, never, you never remember things, right? You're getting so forgetful. Me? Forgetful? I'm not forgetful. You know, you're just dumb. That's what the problem is here. Oh, really? I'm dumb? Well, let's just talk. And before we know it, we're questioning all the things that matter in life, 
overdoing the dishes. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Or treat others as you want to be treated. These are central things, so that's not to say that that's a bad commandment at all. It's a powerful commandment. And it means that God's people, you and me, we ought to be leading the way when it comes to love. We ought to be leading the way uh, because we have the best example ever to follow and because we have this commandment that we should love others as God has created, as, as we should love our neighbor as ourselves. And so, so that's what God calls us to do, but Jesus takes it to a whole nother level. Jesus steps it up. In John 13, 34, Jesus says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you, so you should love each other. Your love for each other should prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, this is a big, strong statement. It's like saying your love for each other, the way that you treat one another, that's how the world will know that you are my followers. That's like your, your uniform or your calling card or whatever. That's how the world will know you're followers of Jesus. When they look at you and they say, look at how they love. Look at how they treat one another. It's, it's different. It's better. It's, it's not like any other group of people in the world. Your love for one another will prove that you are my disciples. Notice what Jesus did not say. He did not say, your political arguments on Facebook will prove that you are my disciples. Nope, didn't say that. He didn't say, your, your pride in yourself will prove that. Nope, he didn't say that. He said, your love for one another will prove to this world that you are my disciples. You know, sometimes you're not going to be right. It happens to all of us on occasion, in fact. And you can't always be right, but you can always be loving. Your love for one another will prove that you are Jesus' disciples. So, how do we do this? Because let's be honest, this is hard. This is an incredibly difficult command. And, and we show love for others in so many ways for example, one way right now that our church is showing, showing love, I'm so proud of, is that, that we've been sending thousands of dollars uh, to, to Ukraine to be able to help out. We have a missionary there, Sarah Putman, who's in Romania, and her ministry there, they are providing shelter, food, clothing to refugees, uh, predominantly women and children and elderly folks who have been able, uh, been blessed to, to, free, to, to uh, flee the Ukraine. And they're receiving love firsthand, and, and you're part of that. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful. And that's good. That's important. We need to do that. But you know, sometimes, sometimes it may be easier to just love humanity in general than it is to love humanity specifically. Sometimes it may be easier to love people who are on the other side of the world than people who are on the other side of the table or on the other side of the aisle or the other side of the conversation. It's hard to love in a life-on-life -life kind of way. But that's just what Jesus calls us to do. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Just 
as I have loved you. What does that mean? Well, remember last week, it was washing feet. It was serving. Instead of arguing who's number one, we serve. That was hard for the disciples. But guess what? It's not getting any easier. For Jesus' next act of love is that he's going to pick up a cross. And he's going to lay down his own life for you and for me. That's an incredible love. It truly is. It truly is. The greatest man to ever walk the face of this earth, he took on the role of a servant, and then he gave his life for 12 who had abandoned, betrayed, and denied him. He, took, he gave his life for you and for me. What a gift. What a gift. It's different than the way that we tend to love. We tend to love in a way that says, I'll love you if you do nice things for me. It's transactional. That's not Jesus' love. His love is, I love because of who I am. And we love because he first loved us. He taught us. That's exactly what he did. So the command to love was not new. It's the command to love as Jesus loves. The command to love with the self-sacrificing love. The command to love, uh, it's a command that leads us to the foot of the cross where we can understand what true love looks like. It's, It's that kind of love. So in Jesus, this command of Moses, this covenant of Moses has been superseded. See, now we're getting an understanding of who Jesus is, that Jesus has come, and it's interesting because the Israelites had been given the law and had been commanded to live it out, but they failed time and time and time again, just like you or I would if we were trying to be saved by the law. They were supposed to be this nation set apart who lives differently from everybody else so that the whole world could see how good God was, but instead they were often idolaters who did everything just like the rest of the world did. They didn't stand out at all. And so God sent Jesus, and what Jesus did was he came, and Jesus is like the true Israelite. He's like the model of what Israel should have been. He lived it out in his own life. Israel, remember, went to, the Israelites went to Egypt and eventually were enslaved there. Well, Jesus, he as a child would be taken to Egypt, right? And he would spend time in Egypt. And then eventually when Jesus was going to start his ministry, he started off, you might remember, in the wilderness, being tempted by Satan for 40 days, just as God's people had been tempted for 40 years as they wandered the desert because of their sin and disobedience. Jesus, then he comes and he's baptized in the Jordan as his ministry begins, just as the Israelites had crossed the Jordan River to enter the promised land. But unlike the Israelites who often messed it up there in the promised land, Jesus did it right. 33 years of life, zero sins. Tempted as you and I are, yet he did not sin. That's incredible. That can only be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not just trying a little harder, right? And so Jesus comes and he supersedes the law of Moses. It's like the whole Old Testament is like this giant 
arrow pointing to Jesus Christ. That he comes, he's the true Israelite. He's the fulfillment of the law. He's the fulfillment of the prophets. The prophets had even spoke about this in Jeremiah chapter 31. It says, the day is coming, the Lord says, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant. I usually don't get that choked up over these verses. I'm not going to lie. They broke that covenant, though I loved them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. So we had this law, but we messed it up. And so God, God sends Jesus, and there's this new covenant. This prophecy is fulfilled. Jesus himself is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. God gave the law to Moses, but the law could never save because we're going to mess it up. We're going to sin. We're going to fall short of God's glory. This is where the good news comes in. Romans 8, chapter 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. So if you've given your life to Jesus, you can insert your name there. There is no condemnation for John. There is no condemnation for you. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. Others may condemn you. You may condemn yourself. But Jesus, no, God's not condemning you because you belong to Jesus Christ. Because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin and death. The power of sin that leads to death. So the Holy Spirit has freed you from that power of sin so you can live differently. The law of Moses, verse 3, was unable to save us because of the weaknesses of our sinful nature. And God did what the law could not do. God sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who could no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. This is a game changer. This is what Jesus did for you and for me when, when he died on the cross. See, if you're, if you're here and you're trying to live under the law, you're trying to try harder and be better and do enough so you can be forgiven, friend, that, that, that's a hopeless venture. It's a helpless venture because God's holy, I'm not, you're not, we're just not. Over the weekend on Friday, I had the joy of speaking, uh, giving the Provenient Grace talk at a walk to Emmaus, which is a spiritual retreat where a bunch of our guys are at this weekend. It's a really, really powerful experience. If you've never done it, I encourage you to, to go on a walk someday. And, uh, and in this talk, I was talking about God's grace and how we can experience that in our life. And a lot of these same themes as today, that we can experience this grace of God that, and so that there is truly no condemnation. And I was, I was, after that talk, the, uh, the people, they, they talk together at small groups and the speaker just kind of leaves. That's how it goes. And I was almost uh, just getting ready to head out the door when a guy comes out. He had left his group and he says, hey, I got to talk to you for a minute. And there were tears running down his face. 
not because of what I said, but because of what God did in his life. And he said, 40 years ago, I was in the military. And I was doing things that I'm not always proud of. And I've been wondering for 40 years how I'm going to stand before God someday and answer. And now I know. It's Jesus. It's Jesus who gave his life for me. And now I can have hope and I can have freedom. That's true for you and me as well, friends. For all of us. For all of us who maybe you've lived under some guilt or some shame. We all have plenty of reason for that. But Jesus gave his life so that you can be so that you can be forgiven. So that you can experience the fact that there is truly no condemnation for you. So we have this new covenant, and it's a covenant of grace, not a covenant of law. It's a covenant that gives us freedom by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and you have to understand, this is not just like a new piece of advice, or it's not just like Jesus shooting a little two-minute video where he's like, hey, I've got a new loving life hack, right? If you do this, your love for others, it could go up like 10% or so. No, this is like a new, new way of living, okay? This is a total reorientation of your life. It's like you being able to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because that's the key. You're not just going to go love this way on your own strength. I mean, the standard is love as Jesus loved. You're not going to do that on your own strength. It's going to be by the power of the Spirit. And so as you walk in the Spirit, as you grow in the Spirit, as you experience more of the power of the Spirit in your life, God changes you. God shapes you. That's why I'm so pumped up about this Holy Spirit conference that we've got coming up this next weekend. It's not too late to sign up, and we want for you to experience this power in your own life, to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, If you can't make it to the conference, uh, Randy's going to be speaking uh, at 9.30 over in our traditional service, or sorry, our contemporary service. You could go over there and hear Randy, then come here at 11, right? You can double dip. It's all good. No, God likes that, I think. It's, it's just fine. You can experience that in, in maybe a different way than what you've experienced in your life before. I believe in the power of God working through the Holy Spirit in our lives. You know, we think about this commandment to love one another as Jesus loved us. He's really been doing it throughout his whole ministry. He's been teaching these things. He's been doing these things. He's been taking the law of Moses and stepping it up. In fact, Moses received the law at Mount Sinai, you might remember, where he received the Ten Commandments and and the rest of the law there, the first five books of the Bible. And then but, and Jesus, he gave his most famous sermon, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. And in this sermon, one of the things he does is he, contra- he contrasts this new covenant way of living with the law's way of living. And I'll paraphrase, but, but he, Jesus says, you heard it said before, you heard it said from Moses, do not murder. But I say to you, Don't be unjustifiably angry with your brother 
or your sister. That's tough. Moses said, don't commit adultery, but I'm telling you, if you look after another, uh, look at another person with lust, you're, you're committing adultery in your heart. Moses said, an eye for an eye, but I'm telling you, turn the other cheek when your enemy strikes you. Man, that's tough. This is hard. Jesus doesn't abolish the law. He, what Jesus does is he comes and he fulfills the law, and by his power, he strengthens us to live differently. If we're just trying to do this on our own strength, it's not going to work. We're going to have all sorts of trouble. This is a command not for just a new way of, a new effort. This is a command for a new era, a new way of living. Love others as you love yourself was a great start. But we're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit to love this way. So how do we do this? Well, just a few things, and we're going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to do this in our lives. How do we love like Jesus loves? Well, it's by surrender. It's by surrender. And a few areas we can surrender. There's so many, I'll just hit three today. First, we surrender our minds. We surrender our mind. Because the thing is that Satan, our enemy, he, usually he starts his attacks in our mind. Satan doesn't have to convince you today to do something bad if he can just start getting you to tolerate the wrong thoughts. He doesn't have to convince you to go have an affair. He just has to convince you that lusting after other people is not a big deal. He doesn't have to convince you to go and punch somebody or to say a hateful word. He just has to convince you that having hateful thoughts is okay. Don't worry about it. Would you let Jesus be the Lord of your mind? He wants to be. He'll change your thoughts. And when he changes your thoughts, that's how your actions begin to change because our actions are typically born out of our thoughts. Second, we surrender our will. Jesus, I want, to wa- I want to want the things that you want instead of the things that I want. And listen, there's so many great things in this world, and, and, and God created this world for us to enjoy. But we want for his desires to be our desires. Do you long for the things of Jesus, or are your core longings really just centered around yourself? How can I have more? How can I get more? How can never content with what I've got? Always got to have bigger, better, faster, whatever. Surrender your will. Because sometimes these things that may not even be bad things, they can become idols in our lives. Even good things can become idols if we put them in the place that Jesus should be. And third, do we surrender our emotions? Emotions are a gift from God. He gave them to you. Do you surrender your fear to the Lord? Do you surrender your happiness to the Lord? Do you surrender your anger to the Lord? Do you surrender all your sadness to the Lord? Would you make Jesus the Lord of your emotions too? 
So if we're going to do this, it's only going to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we experience that power through prayer. So I've asked Anna if she would come and lead us in a time, a few moments of guided prayer, where we can pray that God would do this work of surrender that only he can do. It's truly God's work as we give ourselves to him. So Anna's going to lead us through a time of, of doing just that. Let us pray together. As we enter into this time of guided prayer together, our focus is going to be allowing the Holy Spirit to identify and remove any obstacle from our minds, our hearts, and our wills that keep us from completely surrendering to Him. We want these hindrances removed so that we can become a vessel first to love Him and then to love others. We seek to place our entire dependence in him. So as we bow before him, I invite all of us to physically place a hand on our heads as a symbol that we want our thoughts and our motives to be taken captive and brought into obedience with the mind of Christ. Help us, Lord, to set our thoughts on things that are above Holy Spirit, reveal to us what is selfish or prideful, and forgive us as we take this time to surrender our minds to you. Lord, you command us to love others, even our enemies, as you have loved us. So as we place our hands over our hearts this morning, we want our affections to be your affections. Reign in our hearts, Holy Spirit. Rule over our emotions. Forgive us for our fears and worries, jealousies and anger that diminish our capacity to love others. We want to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn, to love sincerely, to love our neighbors as ourselves. So we surrender our hearts to you. Transform them, Holy Spirit. Father, we now lift our hands to you as we surrender our will to yours. Christ humbled himself and was obedient unto death because of his great love for us. Lord, we ask you to cast out anything that keeps us from loving others as you have loved us. Grant us discernment to know your will and the faith and trust to walk with you every day. Lord, we now surrender our wills to yours.
God, thank you for hearing our prayers of surrender. May we continue to surrender to you each and every day. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So as we prepare to go and to love as Jesus loves, got two things. One, our prayer partners are going to be available down front, and uh, also we have prayer partners online as always. If you'd like to pray with someone, invite you to uh, either hit that in the chat or to come down front here. We would love to pray with you about whatever is uh, whatever things you'd like to pray for. And then second, as we talk about what does it mean to love as Jesus loves, well, the natural thing that we do is serving others, that God calls us to serve like Jesus served. And we have out in in the lobby, uh, we've got, or in the atrium, we've got the red tower with all these amazing ways to serve. Uh, Maybe the past couple years have kind of disoriented your life like everybody else's, and you got away from uh, serving. This would be a great time to uh, step back in and say, Lord, how are you calling me to serve? Uh, There's so many different ways, whether you serve in the nursery or the children's ministry or or you serve as an usher or greeter. Here I've got a couple. We've got church garden and garden uh, patio planter, right? These are good things as well from very, you know, you might say, kids I don't know about, but plants I can do. There you go. There's all sorts of different ways you can sign up. And uh, this church is what it is because of first the power of God, but second the power of God working through us. So I invite you to do that today. So as you go, you're going to go into a world that needs a whole lot of of the love of God and the kind of love that Jesus showed us. So we're going to go and we're going to love others as Jesus loves us. Go in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.